Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Frankie Montas, Sonny Gray, Kevin Gosman, Paul Hamels. Who else pitched well yesterday, Heath, that we need to talk about? Frankie Montas. Oh, yeah, I said it. It was the first guy. I oh, did. yeah. I was listening to you. <laughs> I was just so distracted. Literally the first two words I said to start the show were Frankie Bowman. I was doing my Adam Azer impersonation. Oh, yeah. It was very good. I do want to congratulate you guys. Both of us? Both of you. Yeah, Team Scam. Team Scam? What I think doing? over 10 games over 500 for the first time in league history. That can't be true. Sitting That's at probably six, true. 16 and 4. And I just wanted to get that in before this week's scores went on the tally mark. Oh, we're not doing well? You're 0-9-1 against a team that's uh, 4-15. and 15. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. We got time to turn it around. Scott, it's early in the week. Welcome to Fantasy uh, Baseball today here on CBS Sports. If you're watching the video, thank you. Welcome. Uh, Scott, how you doing? Doing fine. Doing okay. fine. Good. Well, you're getting called out. Both of you getting called out. And our email of the day, it is from Wes from Oakland. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. That is our email address. I'm calling you out, Scott and Heath. Is this real about your rankings? Frankie Montas is not in your top 125 starting pitchers. Is that true? Um, That is definitely not true for me. Frankie Montas is the top 75 starting pitcher. Did you for me that this morning? Um, <laughs> it probably was true when that guy sent the email because Frankie Montas okay. was not on anyone's radar in the preseason. And guys, sometimes we hear things about him, we talk about him, we say, well, that's interesting. And then we don't go to our rankings for two days. We forget to update them. What Frankie Montas has done to at the start of the year with the new splitter, with the ridiculous fastball velocities, one of the hardest thrower, start throwing starting pitchers in baseball so far this year. Um, I, I think you need to buy in. All right, so he's 49% owned, Frankie Montas. He threw six and a third, three hits, one run, two walks, six strikeouts against the Astros. Now you see the ERA is 270. Six walks to 20 strikeouts and 23 and a third is not great, but... Uh, three of his four starts have come against teams in the bottom five in strikeouts per game, meaning they don't strike out much. All four of his starts have been against teams uh, in the bottom nine in strikeouts per game, which does include Baltimore, by the way. If you think back to uh, Tyler Glass now start against Baltimore, maybe they're not a high strikeout team. I don't know. I mean, they can't hit. Or maybe teams, guys just say, you know, we're just going to pitch to contact yeah, against right, them because right the Orioles. Uh, so what do you think, Scott? Frankie Montal, I mean, it's easy to drop Corbin Burns for him at this point. Now, you should drop Corbin Burns for anybody in the world. But um, do you think Montas needs to be owned again, only 49% owned? Nah, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. There was some hype about a splitter this spring. He hardly threw it in this game. He hasn't really been throwing it that much. It, it kind of reminds me of the start he got off to last year. He had a 241 ERA through his first five starts. And, you know, three of them, I would say, are more impressive than any that he's had this year. Obviously, he came back to earth then. And I, I think he will this year too. Really? Wow! What a bump! What a buzzkill! Yeah, Scott uh, does not like Frankie Montas at all, and like I, I don't think he's necessarily must own in all leagues. And I have, have teams where I wouldn't be able to pick him up because I just couldn't find anybody that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think he's interesting. Okay. All right. 
Uh, next week, is he a two-star pitcher? Uh, he's, no, he's a one-star pitcher against Texas next week. All right, here's our question of the day. That was our email of the day. Here's our question of the day. It is from me, Adam, at Adam Azer. Uh, Boston is, I think they're 6-13. and 13. No team has lost 12 or more of their first 18 games and made the playoffs since the Angels in 2002, and they actually won the World Series. Will the Boston Red Sox make the playoffs? Again, no team has started as poorly as they have and made the playoffs since 2002. Scott, will the Red Sox make the playoffs this year? Yeah. Yeah. There's Ooh, really so confident. not a doubt in my mind they're going to make the playoffs. Their, their pitching has been ridiculously awful in the early going, and they're already— I mean, we, we have we have reasons to suspect it. It was it was poor planning on their part. They're already beginning to turn it around. Nathan Abaldi had a much better start yesterday. Obviously, Chris Sale's velocity was up in his last start. Uh, they're going to be fine. I, I mean, they they've also been scoring few runs, but I mean, looking at the personnel they have on offense, that's going to change too. I think it's just it's just one of those baseball oddities that um, you know come mid July, nobody will even remember. I I will say I don't think the Red Sox and the Yankees are both going to make the playoffs. Yep, I, I agree. think it's highly unlikely that both the wild cards come out of the East. I think the Rays are going to win the division, and so mm-hmm. one of those teams is going to miss. The Yankees probably seem like the most likely right now, just because of all of their injury problems. But I wouldn't feel confident. In, like if I was put giving the Red Sox playoff chances right now, I'd probably put it at like. Fifty-two percent. They're six and thirteen. They're eight and a half games out of first place. The Rays are fourteen and four. The Yankees somehow are in second place in this awful division at eight and nine, um, but not currently a playoff team. Yeah, uh, I, I yeah. still think I still think both the wild cards will come out of the East. I, I'm, uh, not, I mean, I guess the sure. Twins are off to a good start. The Mariners are off to a good start, but I, I, you just look at the personnel on those five teams. That's uh, the true. Yankees are obviously devastated by injury, but. Um, you know, few of them are long-term issues. It's a long season. We're, we're, um, uh, I what we're like ten percent into it. So I, there, there's plenty of time for these things to correct. Okay, uh, pretty, pretty crazy what's going on there. Listen, uh, this is a big week. NFL draft is in eight days on CBS Sports HQ today, Thursday at four p.m. Eastern. They're doing a mock draft where. Several of our analysts are representing different teams. It's going to be really fun. Check it out on CBS Sports HQ. Uh, this morning, you know, they're doing NBA highlights, MLB highlights. Uh, there's fantasy talk on CBS Sports HQ. Just download the CBS Sports app. I have it on my Roku. I watch it all the time. Great thing. You, first thing in the morning, turn on CBS Sports HQ. It's totally free, 24-7 streaming. Um, just give it a look. I think you're going to be really impressed. Let's get to our news and notes. Arotis Vizcaino is out for the season with a shoulder injury. This team has been heavily linked to Craig Kimbrell. It's it's going to pick up steam now. It might happen soon, and maybe he's a brave. But if he's not, A.J. Minter is the closer. How much confidence do you have in A.J. Minter? Uh, currently none, but I have hope. I don't I don't have any confidence at all. He's, he's not been good. Uh, he was pretty decent last year, but he's had injury problems of his own. They need to go get Kimbrel, although I did see Dave O'Brien on Twitter, David O'Brien on Twitter yesterday, saying he did not think the Braves would go after Kimbrel unless he settled for a one-year deal, and even then he wasn't sure they would do it before June because they really don't want to give up the second-round draft pick. Okay. 
But wow. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know that I I saw a better explanation for that than I've seen before because it's like how often does that draft pick pan out? But the the issue is they have two first round picks this year since they didn't sign their first rounder last year. They have the ninth overall pick and I think the twenty first overall pick. And it's it's more about the slot money they'd lose if they lost that pick. They'd lose like over a over one million worth to sign those two first rounders which could present an issue with how good of a player they're able to draft there. Uh, so that's that. That's really the first time that I looked at it and said, okay, I can kind of understand why they might not sign Kimbrell then. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, if you're they, not trying to win this year, then that makes sense. Well, but I they mean, are how, trying to win. They're, are they? I don't think they expect to have the ninth overall pick or anything that high for a long time still, so you can't. You don't want to give up your opportunity to get a um, potentially franchise-shaping piece like that. Minter is only 50% owned. He's off to a bad start. He's given up five runs in five and two-thirds, four walks, five strikeouts. Last year, he had a 3.23 ERA, 22 walks, 69 strikeouts, and 61 and a third. And the year before that, a 3 ERA in, in 15 innings. I don't think he's a bad pitcher. Just he's off to a bad start. I mean, look— it, if he were available in pretty much any of my leagues, I'd pick up A.J. Minter. None of your points leagues. I could see a scenario where I'd pick up A.J. Minter. I, I mean, maybe I have some sparps or whatever, but but I have a feeling he should be on because he's on a good team, and he's a, he's the closer. He's the guy now. Yeah. 50% yeah. on. I mean, it, it's kind of the uh, uh, Alex Colome level, maybe even a little lower than that is where I'd put him. But, yeah, there's not really anyone else who's going to compete for saves for a team that should have a lot of safe chances. So yeah. I do think he's, uh, you know, maybe not in a points league where only two relievers are started on every team, and you got to figure a lot of them are sparps. But in, in, in any kind of categories league, I think Minter has to be owned. Francisco Lindor could be back uh, this weekend, actually. That seems maybe a little optimistic, but he could be back very soon. Good news on Francisco Lindor. Oh, my gosh, Joey Votto popped out. To first base for the first time in his career. That is one of the most amazing things in baseball history, honestly. Somebody sent me that note with a question. How is it even possible people are debating whether Joey Votto is a Hall of Famer? Oh, yeah, Hall of Famer. I think that's really, really interesting. I'm not sure. And I love Joey Votto. He's He's a great hitter. You think there's a debate? Oh, I think there's definitely a debate. His counting stats are nowhere close to Hall of Fame. Uh, but we're in the we're in the OBP uh, OBP era. I think I think the question is he's got four years left on his contract after this year. If last year started the decline, and he has, I mean, Albert Pujols at age thirty five was a career three twelve hitter with a five eighty eight slugging percentage, and then his next four years were pretty much terrible. But if Votto takes the Pujols path, he's and, not a he's not a Hall of Famer right now because it doesn't obviously it doesn't matter what Pujols is doing. I, well, I don't. Th- I don't think he's going to retire right now. Right. What I'm saying is, Pujols. He could. No I, I matter think, how many bad years think, Pujols has, he's in. Right. What about? I, well, I think the thing is, Pujols has 3,000 hits. Pujols has all the home runs. Pujols has two World Series championships, three MVPs. Mm-hmm. Like he's in. Yeah. If Votto falls to a 290 hitter for his career and has 60 WAR over his career, which he's at 58 now, Pujols has been worth zero WAR over the last four years. I'm not sure that he is. Okay, I think, led, I think he is. He led the NL and OBP last year, lest you forget. And we could argue well, yeah, about how valuable 12 home he runs. was in fantasy last year, but I, he was still you know, he was still three and a half win player. Uh, so, uh, what, I, 
Yeah, so, so in terms of fantasy, though, Votto is actually – I know he led off yesterday. He's led off twice this year. I don't know if it's two days in a row. Um, that's not going to be good for counting stats. It's not going to be good for RBIs. That's for sure. Uh, so we'll see. What yeah. Winker was batting third. I can't see them sticking with that. But uh, just interesting. All right. Harrison Bader is on the IL with a strained hamstring. Tyler O'Neill has an elbow issue. The St. Louis Cardinals called up Lane Thomas. But Jose Martinez, he is off to a slow start. But we know he has a track record as a hitter. And he'll probably be playing a lot more now. So that is good. You didn't seem too interested in Jose. Well, that, Harrison Bader was not on the DL. I think what I said was he needs one more guy to go on the DL. And now I think he'll be more in the role of what we thought that Mike Moustakas might be, where he's going to probably play just about every day, but he might come out in the sixth inning of every game because he's so bad at defense. The funny thing is I don't think Moustakas has been very bad at defense so far at second base. But Martinez has more value now for sure. Uh, Jacob deGrom is going to have his next start push back a day. He has strep throat. Justin Turner's dealing with ankle and hamstring issues. Philadelphia sent Nick Pavetta to the minors. That's bad. We just we can drop him. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, the case they fix him, he comes back, and he's bad again. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I put it. I tried to put it into context in in this week's prospects report because, um, you know, he's not a prospect, obviously, but he is a minor leaguer, and and. I'm always talking about the five prospects to stash in that piece and how stashable are they compared to somebody like Nick Pavetta. Um, and I would I would probably have Nick Pavetta second on that list behind just, just Vladimir Guerrero. Um, you know, when they sent him down, the Phillies talked about how they still have confidence he's going to be a top-of-the-rotation starter for him and in, in perhaps even this year. Uh, they just have to put him in a lower-pressure environment where he can work through these struggles because... Everyone matters right now, and they can't afford to let him work through them at the major league level. So I, I think we'll see him back soon. And, um, you know, if if we do see him back soon, it's because he's dominated the minors and, and everybody will be excited to pick him up again. So I'm not necessarily saying you have to hold on to him, but I wouldn't consider him must drop necessarily if, if you're in the type of league where you're you're scouting out potential impact prospects to stash. Okay, Jared Eikhoff's going to replace him in the rotation. and In a bit, we're going to talk about some guys who are moving into their team's rotations and whether or not we want to add them. Eikhoff will be one of them. A guy pitching today, Mike Soroka, will be another. Lucas Giolito left with a hamstring injury, and he was having an awesome start against the Royals. Um, he's about 35% owned, something like that, but you got to keep an eye on his health. And obviously, he's a little bit uh, tricky to trust, Lucas Giolito. The Giants are considering moving in their fences in right field. Not this year, but we'd like to see that long term. Dustin Pedroia left with a knee injury. I picked up Eduardo Nunez. Um, Mitch Hanniger sat with a fever. I believe Hanniger is, he, as of yesterday, he was leading baseball in extra base hits. Andrew Benintendi expected back tomorrow. Brian Dozier sat with a sore toe, but he came in late in the game, so he's fine. Starling Marte was hit by a pitch in the head. He stayed in the game, and hopefully Starling Marte is fine. Kristen Stewart left with a quad injury. Carlos Santana has hamstring tightness. No big deal. And Kevin Kiermeyer on Tuesday was caught stealing twice in the same inning. Do you guys know how that happened? Caught stealing twice in the same inning? Why don't you explain it to us, Adam? He stole second base, or he attempted to. He reached on an error on the second baseman, and it was ruled they caught stealing. And then he was actually thrown out for realsies, stealing third base. So... <laughs> How about that? Caught stealing <laughs> twice in the same inning. And, uh, I just add one clarification. Brian Dozier's toe is fine. 
We're not sure if he, yeah, yeah. we're not sure if he's fine. We don't know if he's better than Hunter Dozier, and we will be ranking Hunter Dozier shortly amongst other infielders. Let's get to Wednesday's standouts. Uh, Scott, lead it off. Who stood out to you in Wednesday's games? Kevin Gosman uh, was the biggest standout for me Homer. because we've we've <laughs> talked in the past about how his splitter is the key to his success. How we'd like to see him throw it more, and he did throw it more last year. Didn't get the results we were hoping for. He threw it more, though, as in like 25% of the time. Well, so far this year, including this start, he threw it 40% of the time. Big increase even from compared to the modest increase last year, and it's an increase on top of it. 19 swinging strikes in this game. Two of his starts have been, two of his three starts have been phenomenal. Uh, I was very excited to go through all my leagues and add him yesterday, which is normally not something I do midweek, drop everything to add a player. And it turns out he was owned in every single one of my leagues, which is a shock to me because I thought pretty people were pretty much over him. Uh, but apparently not. He he, uh, oh, yeah. he needs to 80, be owned, though. 82% he's percent owned. Hey, I, I couldn't yeah. believe he's... Actually, I think he's over-owned. <laughs> I, I mean, this is a great start. And Arizona was his opponent. 10 strikeouts, as you see there. Arizona scored the eighth most runs in baseball, which is shocking to me. Um, he's he's got two starts next week. One of them's at Cincinnati. The other's home against Colorado. I don't know. I mean, I can't say now's a great time to drop Kevin Gosman, but I can say that I, I was surprised he was eighty two percent owned. And if you told me yesterday he was eighty two percent owned, I would have said Kevin Gosman is very over owned. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that's true. I've I've been oh, pretty true. impressed with what that. he's done so far. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well. Um, the numbers look a lot better now, especially the strikeouts. But no, he's off to a good start. He had a 270-something ERA with the Braves last year. He just had very low strikeout rate, 44 Ks and 59 and two-thirds. All right, fine, fine. Own him. Don't drop him. Let's see where it goes. Uh, Cole Hamels was my standout. And really the question is seven scoreless innings, eight strikeouts. What do, what do we make of starts against the Marlins? I, you got to say it's only been one bad start for him, and it right. was at Texas, and he's been good other than that. I just think every good start that comes against the Marlins, you have to, before you talk about it, say, it's the Marlins, but... <laughs> it is. He also had a great start at Milwaukee and a brilliant start against the Angels. So, Eve, forget this Marlins start. Cole Hamels is, is pitching really well. Are you buying in? As I know Scott liked him, are you, Heath, buying into Cole Hamels? It, to what degree? Like I, he, has, start. he has definitely moved up my rankings. I don't know that I'd go... like. I would not start him. He's going to have several starts this year at Miller Park. I probably won't start him there. I'm not going to start him at Coors. But I'm probably comfortable with, like, it might be a little borderline against the Brewers at home. But for the most part, I feel pretty comfortable starting him almost all the time. Would you rather have Shane Bieber or Cole Hamels? Uh, Shane Bieber, for sure. It's not close. Uh, Scott, how about you? Yeah, I'd rather have Bieber. But it's, I I would say it probably is close. (laughs) Uh, okay. All right. Cool. So, good job, Cole Hamels. You got a standout? Yeah, I've got a standout. Uh, Adam Jones. I he's been great. Yeah. He's hitting three nineteen, and he's only got a three twenty seven BABIP. He's got five home runs already. He only has a fourteen point eight percent strikeout rate. He's actually walking more than he ever has. I I had already gotten to the point to where I said Adam Jones is probably going to be good enough where he's must start in a five outfielder league. He might be better than that. How, though? Like he, We know he, he's at the downside of his career. He's just not that good. He steals no bases. I know he has been walking, but he, he doesn't walk. He is only 33. 
And that's old, but there's a lot of players older than him that are performing like they did in their 20s. And he really just had one bad year. He he has, I don't think he's had, I don't think Adam Jones has had a year in a while where he's been a must-start guy in a three-outfielder league. Like he had, other than last year, he's been a must-start guy in a five-outfielder league. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I don't know that he's been a three-outfielder league kind of guy. I don't know. 2017, he hit 285 with 26 home runs. That's really not that good when you don't steal any bases. And he did that probably in like 160 games, right? Just to guess. 147. Oh, really? Yeah. All right. That was like one year he he usually plays a full season. He hasn't played 160 games since 2013. Well, he usually plays 155-ish, right? He usually plays a pretty full it, season. It might have mattered whether that was a points three outfielder league or a categories three outfielder league because I do think there he's the sort of guy where there, there's a big difference in value there doesn't walk at all but makes enough contact that he usually ends up hitting for a above average batting like a good batting average so uh, he's uh, also owned in 83 percent of leagues that's gonna be in the 60s in a month <laughs> yeah I just I don't see anything so far and I listen he was not good last year he is 33 so he could just be bad but I don't see anything in his profile that says, yeah, he's off to a good start, but this is not going to last. If this is anybody else, I look at his profile and I say, he looks like he's a pretty good hitter. All right. Basic philosophy. If you don't steal, if you steal like less than five bases a year, and he did steal seven last year, but that was as many as he had in the previous three seasons combined, and you don't have an 800 OPS, and you're an outfielder, I don't really think you're a useful player. How do you feel about that? Um, I, that's probably fine, but like, he was really close to an 800 OPS two years ago, and he's had an 800 OPS multiple times throughout his career. Yeah, I know. He used to be good. <laughs> I I think he just might, overall philosophy I think he might be good. That's a kind of a number I look for. But that's, 800 OPS. That's so, so much of so much of what pulls down the OB, OPS in his case is the low OBP, and if your league doesn't. Yeah. If OBP doesn't matter in your league, it's just batting average. Then sure, yeah. I'm not Good sure. Point. I'm then not your rule sure. Rule is OPS dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'll try to say some more dumb things. Uh, we're going to take a quick break on fantasy baseball today. When we come back, uh, I want to talk about some transactions I've been making, some trades I've been looking to make. Get some feedback from Scott and Heath, and also we're going to rank some infielders like the White Sox guys, the Rays guys. Hunter Dozier, Scott Kingery, uh, all that coming up right after this on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, here we go. Um, any, any, have you guys made any interesting transactions or trades lately? I'll throw it to Scott White. Um, 
It's not Sunday, so probably not. (laughs) My most interesting pickup. Uh, I hoped it would be Kevin Gosman, but it wasn't. Uh, I did. I did make a trade in a very deep league where I um, paid quite a bit for Zach Wheeler, Uh, and then he started out yesterday. He had three walks through the first three innings. I think it was against the Phillies. But then he was fine. His, his final four innings were great. He ended up with only three walks on the day. He threw 66% of his pitches for strikes yesterday. Uh, it's been it's been kind of a bumpy start for him. But I think I think there's still a buy low opportunity there. I, I don't looking at the stuff itself. I'm I'm not concerned that he's taking a step back and control issues are something he's going to battle always. But uh, I think over the course of a full season. Um, he's going to get it under control like he did last year and be a very good pitcher in an environment where, you know, it's it's hard to find guys who consistently pitch as deep into games as he does. Uh, Zach Wheeler, how about you? Uh, the only uh, I usually make my transactions on Thursday just to beat Scott in his transactions, uh, to make sure <laughs> I get my choice before he does. Uh, so the only guy I've really added this week that I think is of consequence is Hunter Dozier, and he is hitting the ball very, very well. Exceptionally hard. Had some bad luck at the very start of the season, but everything's gone his way lately. Had another home run yesterday. I did not add him in any league where I can't use him as a corner infielder. Does he look like Heath? No. No. Nah, Scott, can you see that stretch. now? <laughs> he looks more like Alex Gordon than he looks like me. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, he, I might be uh, uh, our resident Royals homer, Heath, I, I might be more excited about Hunter Dozier than he is because I see a guy with a good walk rate, a good strikeout rate, high fly ball rate. So it's, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly questioning the power production. Um, you know, he, he, he might profile as a low BABIP, so the, the average ends up being lower than it is now. But um, I, I don't know. This is interesting. We know he's going to get a lot of playing time in that lineup. I, I, he's at least on like the Christian Walker level. Um, oh, agree. I, I, I'm excited to add him. But you have to have a corner infield spot. I don't see a path yeah. for him to be a top 12 first baseman or third baseman. And he is currently, but still. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, other than other than like as a hot hand play. Um, and, you know, I don't... If there's nothing exciting on the waiver wire, I'm, I'm always about... Uh, particularly if there are there are interesting underlying stats, like in this case, I'm always about just picking up the hot hand and seeing where it goes. Sure, uh, because a lot of times you end up being surprised with somebody who does become a must start, must start option for you. All right, so some of the moves I've made, um, I I added Framo Reyes. It's time. I dropped Corbin Burns. It's been time, and that's in a 14 team head to head points league. I added Eduardo Nunez in our 12 team roto league yesterday. And Dustin Bedroya hurt his knee, and it seems bad. Right now, Brock Holt is on the DL with a scratched cornea. So Nunez should play, get a little bit of an audition. He's hit very poorly, but um, I think he's an okay hitter, but he's stolen three bases already. So it's valuable. Um, I added Jose Martinez. We talked about him. I am working on an Aaron Nola trade. I, I want Aaron Nola. People seem to be a little concerned. He's such a good control pitcher. It's off right now. I think it's going to be fine. And I was a little surprised that you, Heath, were not a little bit more aggressive with your Chris Sale love yesterday. I thought you'd be pumped about Chris Sale. Um, I'm, I think we probably all watched at least some of the Yankees-Red Sox game two nights ago, and I'll say this. If Chris Sale is throwing that hard, 
I have complete confidence in him to figure it out, and I do want to acquire Chris. I, I think he's going. I mean, I he's still a top ten starting pitcher for me. I haven't. I didn't move him down anymore, but he did still have another bad outing. I know, but it doesn't make any sense. Like, I, yeah, and that I, Yankees I, I, lineup was like maybe one of the worst lineups I've ever seen. <laughs> Stop. No, but, I'm with you, Adam. Yeah. I'm with you. Like that yesterday or two days ago now. That start, I think, for me, it relieved the like our, our worst fears. Like they're out the window now. Like he has, it's it's not a loss of ability. He has the stuff still. Uh, the slider's probably not up to midseason form. Doesn't seem like the command's up to midseason form, but. He's going to get there, I think. So I I kind of looked at the bad result in the start where the velocity came back as an opportunity to exactly. still buy low on him at a time when you can feel confident that he yeah. actually is Chris Sale still. All right, there you go. Um, let's let's rank some infielders now. Infielders making making waves, and one of them is Hunter Dozier. Um, and so here we go. We got two Rays, two White Sox, a Royal, and a Philly. Brandon Lau is currently the number nine second baseman in points, number six in Roto. Tim Anderson, is he's been one of the best players in fantasy. He's batting 424 with four homers and six steals, one walk, 12 strikeouts, and an amazing, uh, insulting bat flip yesterday. Yandy <laughs> Diaz, top 10 third baseman, sixth in points, 10th in Roto, and he actually has one more walk than strikeout. Um, Scott Kingery, not pictured on the graphic because we can only fit five, and I gave too many. But Scott Kingery is uh, heating up, and he batted second yesterday in place of Gene Segura, and he's 25% owned. Yoan Moncada, top uh, top three second baseman, or third baseman and second baseman, and uh, Hunter Dozier. So, again, the names, I know there are a lot. Brandon Lau, Tim Anderson, Yandy Diaz, Scott Kingery, Yoan Moncada, Hunter Dozier. Who's your favorite, Heath? Uh, it's Mankata, and by a fairly good margin. He is the only one of these guys that I'm getting really close to buying into, like, this guy might be a league winner type. And okay. so uh, he he separates from the pack, then it gets really, really hairy because I don't totally believe what Anderson is doing right now. I don't totally know that the rest of these guys are going to get – Everyday playing time. I feel like well, Yandy, Yandy Diaz, Diaz should. Right? Yeah, Yandy Diaz is the other one for me. Uh, I, I would put Moncada first too, but um, the fact that Yandy Diaz is hitting for power before and that was like the one thing that was missing from his profile had been a good contact hitter, a good on base guy. Um, what's interesting about the power is we were crediting an improved fly ball rate, and that. I mean, that's come back down a little bit. The ground ball rate is still really high for Diaz, but I'm not I'm not really stressing about it right now. As long as he keeps hitting home runs at the rate he has so far, um, everything else is, is good and is going to make him very hard to sit in fantasy. And D- Diaz is 61% owned. Lau is 66% owned. They haven't had a lot of lefties on the schedule lately, and Lau has sat against three or four lefties that the Rays have faced. Uh, so you got to keep that in mind. But he's obviously got some pop. Yeah. A lot of strikeouts, yeah. though. So I don't think you can expect him to hit 300. But six walks, 21 strikeouts. I mean, is Brandon Lau even going to hit 250? Or is he going to be a liability I mean, if, if, of that? If, if, if he has a 30% strikeout rate all year, um, that that might be the higher end of where I'd expect the batting average to wind up. But, you know, the the strikeout rate could improve. A little, itself, you know, yeah. it's still it's yeah, still yeah. early enough that it's it's kind of 
too high to say and for I think sure this is who he is. What what may also determine whether he hits 250 or, or not is how many plate appearances does he, does he get against lefties. Yeah. Right. I mean, he might hit 270, but sit way too many times. So between Hunter Dozier, Brandon Lau, and Tim Anderson, how would you rank them? I'd go Lau, Dozier. Uh-huh. It, okay, in a points league, I'd go Lau, Dozier, Anderson. In a categories league, I'd go... Uh, I think I'd have to go Anderson first, even though I don't I don't think the ceiling is nearly as high as for this other two, especially especially Lau. Yeah, I think I'd go Lau, Anderson, Dozier. Dozier's definitely last. I, I struggle a little bit between Anderson and uh Lau that the real tiebreaker for me is if you look at shortstop, I even as good as Tim Anderson is right now, which of those top fourteen shortstops are you going to sit when they're healthy for him? Like there's so many good shortstops. Um. Okay. Would, I, I would, you drop, would you drop Jerks and Profar for these guys? Yeah. Okay. I would drop Profar for Anderson in a categories league, but I can't imagine that's even available. No, no, it's not. Not Anderson. But the other otherwise, guys uh, but yeah, otherwise I'd stick with Profar. All right. Um. Let's and then Kingery. You know, look, we just need him to play more. Unfortunately for Kingery. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is actually heating up too. Cesar Hernandez has been hitting great in the last like five games or so, but Kingery's making a case, so not a bad guy to stash. He's only twenty five percent owned, and but he's he's a distant last in this group for me. He, yeah. Even if he, he had a regular games. job, like even if okay, because he doesn't have a regular job. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, in the bullpen, real quick here, um, Ryan Brazier came in in the seventh inning and with the bases loaded and one out, served up a grand slam. But they used him in the high-leverage situation, and it did not work. Um, and now the Red Sox are 6-13. and 13. Brazier's 55% owned. Jeremy Jeffress is 48% owned. He pitched. He made a season debut yesterday. He struck out one batter in two-thirds of an inning. They were trailing in the eighth. They just wanted to get, uh, they just wanted to get Jeremy Jeffress in there. And then Hector Neris got a save. So Adam Morgan... Okay, Jake Arrieta actually started the ninth inning. We are going to talk about him. Gave up a hit. Couple lefties do up, I believe. They bring in Adam Morgan, who's a lefty. He gave up a hit and a flyout, and then Hector Neris comes in for a two-out save. Um, Neris bad in his first appearance, his last seven appearances, six innings, two hits, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts. Brazier, Jeffress, Neris, and Blake Parker. I'm gonna throw him in there too because he has four of the last five saves from Minnesota. And in the other game when he didn't get that save, he was actually brought in for the save. But he just struggled. But I think he's their closer. Um, how would you rank them? Brazier, Jeffress, Neris, Parker, Heath. Ooh, Jeffress. Really? Parker. Neris. Brazier. <laughs> Jeffress won. I mean, that's a bit of a leap of faith. Um, well, it's like saying that he's going to be a top 20 closer is a leap of faith. I'm not sure he has to be a top 20 closer to be better than all these guys. Parker's the guy. Like, what is it that we don't like about Blake Parker? He's their closer. He's gotten he's gotten the opportunity in each of their last five save chances. Okay. Well, I put him second. <laughs> the rest of the guys, I don't really good. think are in the conversation. He's 41. I, I don't think he's... I don't think he's very good, and there's so many others in the conversation. No, so that's in the, why. There, really, that's not true. Like, Trevor Bay has been terrible, and Rodgers is a lefty, and, he, and since the opening day, he doesn't have a save, I don't think. Maybe, maybe one, but it hasn't yeah, really been used Yeah, there's also Trevor way. Hildenberger, who's off to a really good start. And I just think when Parker inevitably struggles, it'll be very easy for them to try somebody else. And I'm not sure 
Like I, I still don't feel very confident that we can say with 100% sure he's going to get every save opportunity. Um, no, no, not well, I was laughing. I was laughing when Heath was listing the options because the guy he lists last is who I'd list first, Ryan Brasher, who only has one guy he's competing with, and I think he's he's still, despite the usage yesterday, he's he seems to be the preferred option for saves. He's on the worst team in the American League East, though. Like, he's not going to get any chances. <laughs> Uh, all right, we got some trade talk. It is Thursday, so we like to talk trade here on Fantasy Baseball Today. And then I have a segment called, Hey, you know who's been really good? And one called, Hey, you know who's been really bad? And we got to talk about Mike Soroka, uh, Walker Bueller, and Carlos Carrasco with excellent starts yesterday. Jay Happ hopefully turning things around. Uh, Trevor Williams with another good start. He has a 259 ERA. Sonny Gray, we haven't talked about him. He's 66% owned. Maybe the worst thing I've said on the show this year is that Sonny Gray is a myth, and I'm done with him. It was after his first start. Well done. Yeah, you also agreed with that that he was a myth, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, and then hopefully some great trade. The man the legend. We get, That's yeah, what kind of pick he is. Apparently. Um, all right, we'll take another quick break. Last break of the show on Fantasy Baseball today. Buy low, sell high, buy high when we come back. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Heath, you want to kick it off? You got to buy low? Yeah, yeah, of course I do. And I talked about this guy a little bit yesterday, but I am absolutely trying to buy low on Jack Flaherty right now. Two of his first four starts have come against the Milwaukee Brewers in Miller Park. He's been absolutely terrible in those starts. Very, very good in the other two starts. Most importantly, in all four starts, the control has been better than it was last year. He has not had any walk problems this year. I still think Jack Flaherty is going to be a borderline ace when he doesn't pitch at Miller Park. Scott, buy low? So I already gave my buy low on Chris Sale's spiel, but for VOD purposes, I'll give it again. Chris (laughs) Sale's velocity was way up in his most recent start. He peaked at 98. He averaged 95. It was like good Chris Sale again. And uh, that, to me, relieved the worst fears and it wasn't it ended up it didn't end up having a great result but if he's able if if we if we're confident that the stuff isn't diminished i'm confident he is going to get his slider back at some point the command's going to round into mid-season form he's going to be an ace again uh the fact that it was a bad start gives you one last chance to buy low on him at a time when you can feel more confident he is actually chris sale all right let's do some sell high guys now go ahead 
Uh, I'm going with Tim Anderson, and I think uh, maybe somebody was joking when they said that was a disrespectful bat flip. It was. He was. Uh, oh, it was. It was very disrespectful. very disrespectful. Yeah. Let's just bat flip happily. But like this is not real. He has a 488 BABIP. He's got almost a 30 percent home run to fly ball ratio. He's hitting a ton of ground balls still. This is not real, and there's too many good shortstops for it to matter that much when he cools off. So just try to trade him for just about anybody else. Scott, Scott White, uh, sell high. Yeah, Tim Anderson was my guy too. Um, Boom! Uh, so, how about that. So uh, let's 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 Raz Heath here and say Paul DeYoung is a sell high. Not because I don't think the power is real, but I don't think anything else he's doing is real. And he's a he's a low OBP guy um, who, who's kind of a one note player with the power. And as Heath pointed out, I mean shortstop. In a in a non middle infielder league, you know, you're not, a league where you're not starting the extra infield, it, it's kind of deep. There's kind of plenty to go around, and I think when in the end, DeYoung is not going to be among that top twelve. He clearly is right now, so it's a good chance to capitalize on what he's done so far. You know what's interesting though? It, you know, it is a deep position, but is there anything on the waiver wire? You are going to love what's about to happen. What what happened? You just want to move on to the next section? Buy high? Buy high. Paul DeYoung? Paul DeYoung. I, I was going to say, I'm sure Heath <laughs> even agrees that Paul DeYoung is a sell high. I do not. He's the number one shortstop in fantasy right now. We don't think he's that good. But you think what about Paul? I think he, like, yeah, shortstop is really deep. I think he's quite likely going to be a top 10 shortstop the rest of the year. And so he is one of the guys you're going to start, even in a points league. His strikeout rate as a rookie was 28%. Last year he came back, he cut it to 25%. This year so far it's 19.8%. He's absolutely crushing the baseball. I don't think he's going to be a bad batting average guy. I don't think he's going to be necessarily somebody that hurts you in terms of on-base percentage. And he's hitting third in that Cardinals order. He already has 27 runs plus RBI in a, in a 18 games. He is you know, going if, to have so if, many runs in RBI. He's going to hit 30-plus home runs, and he's going to hit close to 300. This is the danger. Close of, to 300? <laughs> he's like a, he hit like 240 last year. He hit 285 the year before. And and you think he's going to hit yeah. close to 300 his, when his career batting average is like 260? His strikeout rate is 9% better than it was in his rookie year. But you buy that? Uh, I buy his, his better approach, uh, yes. Okay. I don't necessarily buy hitting close to 300, but this this is the danger of trying to come up with a sell high on the fly because if if the reduced strikeout rate does hold and it's still too early to know, but if it does, then it does it certainly changes the equation for me. So um, doesn't mean I wouldn't necessarily be looking to sell high, but you you have to make sure it's actually selling like- high. This would be a perfect situation for Scott to sell high and me to buy high. Unfortunately, in all yeah. the leagues that we're in together, I drafted Paul DeYoung, so it doesn't work. Would you guys rather yeah. have Paul DeYoung or Glaber Torres? DeYoung. I would rather have Torres. Paul DeYoung or Elvis Andrews? DeYoung. Andrews. Say, just say it. DeYoung. That's a buy high. 100%. He got caught stealing yesterday or maybe the day before, which means he ran again. He's running. He's stealing. He's hitting. He's Elvis Andrews. He's back. He's better than not Paul DeYoung. He's not been as good as Paul DeYoung. He hasn't been as good as Paul DeYoung. He's <laughs> better than Paul DeYoung. You should, you should, you should buy high on, on Elvis Andrews. Scott, who's your buy high? Okay, here's one we haven't talked about today. Michael Conforto. Very excited about what he's doing. 
Doesn't seem to be any playing time concerns anymore, even though he bats left-handed. Uh, but most impressively for me, his ground ball rate so far is 26%. The line drive rate is way up. The fly ball rate is way up. That's exactly what you want to see uh, in the hopes that a guy makes a stud turn. And it's it's opposite of what the kind of the narrative was coming into the season where, oh, Chili Davis is going to ruin him. He's not going to be hitting for power anymore. Um, it, it seems like... It seems like the plate discipline is exactly where you want it to be, and the batted ball profile is exactly where you want it to be, and he could be poised for a breakout, maybe even like an MVP caliber season. Yeah, Conforto is actually, he's in the, uh, hey, you know, he's been really good section. And since 2016, he's been respectable against lefties. Um, Last year, he was actually slightly better against lefties than he was against righties. So he's not a player that even if he does, and he will play against lefties, it seems, is, is just going to be terrible and useless. Um, you know, if all of his bats were against lefties, then he'd be useless, but that's obviously not the case. Uh, yeah, so Conforto's looking great, and, and honestly, like, we probably... Uh, Chili Davis, I'm sorry. Um, you're doing a great job. The Mets hitters have been fantastic, and yeah, Conforto's looking awesome. Would, would you rather have Conforto or A.J. Pollock? Honestly, I, I was going to say A.J. Pollock as a buy low. I'm not concerned about his performance. Like, he's a good player. But I have trouble buying low on players that I pretty much know are going to get hurt at some point. Like, I would say Justin Turner's a buy low, but he's already hurt. You know, he's not on the IL. Again, he should perform fine. Um, I think I'd rather have Conforto. Why not? Right? Yeah, I think I would too. I, I just moved him ahead. And I haven't moved Pollock down. I'm not concerned about the performance either. But Right. Yeah. All right, good. Good stuff. Thank you. So to recap, buy low, Scott said Chris Sale. And Heath said uh, Jack Flaherty. Really, like, I think what you saw from Carlos Carrasco, well, that's so Carlos Carrasco, right? I mean, he's off to the most Carlos Carrasco start ever. Um, You're not going to have that much time to buy low on these aces if they right the ship, and we think most of them will. So Chris Mm -hmm. Sale for Scott, Jack Flaherty for Heath. Um, Yeah, the only one, I, I mean, there's a chance one doesn't. I just don't know how to pick out which one that is. There's not anything that's alarming enough on underlying except for chris sale and then that just got <laughs> right <passed>, so <laughs> right uh strasburg concerns me a little bit like i do i heard what he said yesterday on the show and there's a lot of good things to like about strasburg his home run home run home run to fly ball rate very high his walk to strikeout ratio is great but what has concerned me is just his velocity is the lowest of his career basically and I don't. Th- I would yeah. not have made Steven Strasburg the centerpiece of my starting pitching plan, <laughs> which I did. Um, if I had known he was going to be throwing it like this, he's not a soft yeah. tosser, but he doesn't have one of his biggest weapons. But he should be fine. I just. I guess he's a buy right. low, there's, but not one I'm. There's super a little more used. concern there when the velocity is down like it is, but it's not. It's not to the extent sale sales is, and I. I don't think it's impacted his strikeouts, right? No, but like it might, been- might it might impact his home runs. You yeah, know, the two I was most concerned about have been just absolutely awesome the last two their their last starts. So I'm not as concerned. Bueller? Pax, Paxton and Bueller. Oh, oh, Bueller. I have the long term concerns. Yes, yeah, still, but yeah. Uh, all right. So the the sell highs were Paul the Young for Scott, Tim Anderson for Heath, and also Tim Anderson for Scott. And the buy highs were Paul the Young for Heath, Michael Conforto for Scott. Hey, you know who's been really good. All right, let's have a fun, positive, happy segment about these great players. Matt Chapman's been really good. Uh, not as good as I thought. I thought he'd be higher up because, you know, they've played, he's played 21 games. But Matt Chapman's number eight third baseman in points, number six in Roto. 
He had 146 strikeouts in 145 games last year. Matt Chapman has eight strikeouts in 21. Is that true? Yeah. Eight strikeouts in 21. Sometimes I put something down and it's just like, really? But Chapman is uh, batting 284. He's off to a great start. He looks awesome. Uh, you know, great job by you here because I actually was going through the box scores last night and saw Matt Ch- Chapman's name and thought, we haven't talked about Matt Chapman yet. He's been awesome. So very good job, Adam. <laughs> Thank you. I think one of the reasons he's not been quite as good for fantasy yet is he only has a 250 BAPIP. Like he's hitting 284 with a 250 BABIP. Mm. He has been phenomenal. And if he keeps this up, he might be a top five third baseman. I don't know what the A's like. This feels, this seems like a, a close to a team wide thing where the strikeout rates are way down. And I don't know if it has to do with the opponents they've faced or, you know, in the case of both Matt Chapman and Marcus Simeon, I'm looking at them as having a kind of upside I never thought they had before. I mean, Chapman's easier to buy because he was already must-own, must-start before that. And now he looks like, um, you know, potentially top 10 at the deepest position in fantasy. Uh, But Simeon's interesting, too. I think Simeon's must-start right now. Hey, Scott, you know who's been really good? Jorge Polanco. He's 79% owned. He's actually only the number 9 shortstop in points, number 13 in Roto. But the Twins have had bad weather, and they've only played 15 games. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, even just a few games less than your opponent at this point in the season could make a difference. But Jorge Polanco's batting 429. He's slugging 768. And he played about a half a season last year. And if you double his stats, he would have been startable. But right now he yeah. looks like a star. Uh, what do you think about Jorge Polanco? I would guess he's not a star, but he's only 25. So if if he's entering a stage of his career where the power production improves, then... I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility. The line drive rate has always been great for him. Um, so you could make the case he actually hasn't had the kinds of Babbitts he should have yet. Um, I guess it was 345 last year, but for the full career, it hasn't really matched up with the line drive rates in a way you'd expect. This year, it's kind of a Michael Conforto situation. His ground ball rate is uh, is very low, um, and it's you know he's getting... A line drives and enough fly balls that he at least is giving himself an opportunity for a power breakout. So I'm I'm intrigued by him. Would you guys move Jorge Polanco ahead of some of these hot starters like Dansby Swanson, Marcus Simeon, Enrique Hernandez? It's it's a really crowded group. I, I think he's I think he's still at the bottom of that group for me, but that kind of shows you uh the depth we're seeing at shortstop because there there was already a lot more studs than we commonly see at the position. And now it's looking like a, a lot of the most interesting bats to emerge off the waiver wire are also shortstop. So where do you fit them all in? I mean, maybe your utility spot. I, I think it's I think it's reasonable uh, to think you might be starting a shortstop there. I'm, I'm just checking in on Jerks and Profar because I don't know what he's done lately, but I'm kind of starting to feel like Jerks and Profar should be behind all the guys you just said and Jorge Blanco. So he hit, he hit a couple home runs, I think, last week, but they were at... Baltimore, they were on the road, and that, I I don't know that he's done anything at home this year. And then I think I think uh, Jose Peraza is another guy that people are going to get fed up with. Yeah, you drop. Peraza? He hasn't been playing. He hasn't been playing every day. Oh, that's been, he's been awful. Derek Dietrich. Dietrich. Yeah. All right. Uh, you know who else has been good? Jake Arrieta. Um, yeah, Jake Arrieta has been been quite good. Just trying to get the stats here. He's got a 3- 225 ERA, 12 walks, 18 strikeouts 
in uh, 28 innings. Um, but he goes deep into games, three straight starts of seven or eight innings for Jake Arietta. Is anybody buying Arietta as a must start or even a must own guy? Because last time we talked about him, I said, I don't even think he's must own. He's definitely mm-hmm. must own. I mean, he is now. I could see a scenario where, like, he just, like, his strikeout rate's pathetic. You can't, it's hard yeah. to be must own when you're striking out a batter every other inning. Um, yeah, he has to be an elite ground ball pitcher. Like, basically any pitcher who doesn't strike out eight per nine, at the very least, has to be an elite ground ball pitcher to matter in, like, a standard mixed league context. Um, and he's always been a good ground ball pitcher. Uh, he talked after this start about some changes he made, some really, like, um, data-driven changes with uh, his changeup. And his fastball, just making sure they're moving in the way he wants them to move more lateral movement on the changeup, less lateral movement on the fastball. I don't know. It seems like he has a plan, and so far it's gone well for him. But, yeah, the not missing bats is is something that inevitably catches up to these pitchers. I mean, he has a 525 Sierra, a 504 XFIP. Um, those, I, are, those are obviously concerning. I will say he ha- he's on a four or five year run now of his ERA being better than all of his peripherals. Um, Jake Arrieta, we're talking about. Yeah, here. so I don't think he's good. I don't think he's necessarily must start, but I do think that he's must own. If only because he's like, you're definitely going to start him against the Marlins, and you're going to start him next week. He's got two starts. One of them is against the Marlins at the Mets and home against the Marlins. You know who else has been really good? Greg Holland's been really good. He has four saves and four chances. He has given up two hits, no earned runs, two walks, 12 strikeouts in seven innings. And for a veteran like Greg Holland, maybe we shouldn't care too much about spring training because I know he got off to a really bad start. But he's only 69% owns. another guy that you could go ahead and pick up. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's silly, 69%. Compared to the group of closers we mentioned earlier, Mentor, Brazier, uh, Blake Parker. Yeah, that's, that's an easy call. Holland's got to be the guy. I think it's really hard for um, to judge the ownership rate of any closer that and maybe Holland deserves to be a top 15 to 18 closer, but any closer that's not in that range, it's just hard to roster them on a points league. Yeah, I guess so. Um, all right, so I'm going to save uh, the bad for tomorrow. Hey, you know it's been really bad. Uh, let's just do Guys, we got about 10 minutes left, so let's uh, go quickly here. I want to read some emails. Welcome to the rotation. Mike Soroka, 39% owned. Eric Swanson, ooh, nice start yesterday against Cleveland. Six innings, one run, five Ks. Chris Bassett will replace Marco Estrada in the A's rotation. And Jared Eikhoff, unfortunately, uh, if he starts this weekend, it'll be at Colorado. But Soroka, Swanson, Bassett, and Eikhoff. Scott, uh, we welcome these guys to the rotation. Do any of them stick? Should any of them be on fantasy rosters? And would you start Soroka today against the Diamondbacks? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, his last minor league start after a great first one wasn't so good. Um, but I, I am excited about Sor- Soroka in like a general sense, somebody who I think could become an impactful pitcher in fantasy this year. There is a lot. Of, there are a lot of alternatives for the Braves, and obviously Toussaint earned his rotation turn with his relief appearance last time out. He's starting on Friday. Um, it might be as simple as whoever has the best start between him and Sor- Soroka gets the next turn. 
uh, you know, there may be there may be a, a roster issue that forces them to send Soroka down right away, and then there's like a a ten day minimum wait if they wanted to bring him back. But like there there is, um, I think there's I think they're more or less on equal footing now. If Soroka's bad today, then obviously it's an easy call. Uh, but I think the upside is is exciting for both, and if one, whichever one does stick around, is probably worth rostering in mixed leagues. Maybe they're finally going to release Julio Duran. <laughs> well, they're not going to release Max Fried. He's their best pitcher. <laughs> um, so, Eric Ron Swanson do a pretty good start. What about Eric Swanson, Heath? He's got two starts next week. He's four percent owned. He's at San Diego and home against Texas. At least he's scheduled for for two starts. Yeah, and that's like those two matchups are not difficult enough I don't think to where I would avoid a relative unknown at the major league level for two starts he has over the last year and a half at least been a pretty good strikeout pitcher in the minor leagues he's pretty much always been a good control league pitcher in the minor leagues it's interesting I would have to be a points league and it would have to be one where I was relatively desperate for a, a fifth starter in my points league next week all right, that's Eric Swanson, and I think we're going to ignore Chris Bassett and, and probably Jared Eikhoff. I'm a little bit excited about Eikhoff. It just, I mean, he's at Colorado this weekend, so there's no reason to pick him up yet. Swanson or Eikhoff? I would rather have Eikhoff long term. All right, uh, some pitchers took a step in the right direction yesterday Walker Bueller, Carlos Carrasco, um, Nate Evaldi, and Jay Happ. I think, right? You seem skeptical? I mean, I. He had a quality start. That's good. Happy you're talking about. Yeah, he struck out four batters and six and a third. You you can't dispute that it was quote a step in the right direction. It was a it was first it time was throwing definitely more than a, four a step third. in the right direction. I'm I'm skeptical, but I think like next week he's got a two starts and one of them's at San Francisco. I think you start him at the Angels and at San Francisco. Jay Happ has actually been one of the most consistent pitchers over the last three or four years. He's a, a three fifty ish ERA guy. He's been about a strikeout per inning. It's either all falling apart or he's a great buy low. He's old, so it really might be old. the first. Yeah, but if he figures his, it out, he's an underrated player. His swinging strike rate has always been good on the four seamer, uh, and and that's still been true this year. So I'm I'm more leaning buy low on him, though he doesn't. He obviously doesn't have the upside of like a, a Walker Bueller or a Carlos Carrasco. Here's a funny stat for Carrasco: as dominant as he was last yesterday. He still has a 7.41 ERA, 176 WHIP on the season. Two yeah. of his four starts have been 12 strikeouts, and that's yeah. his ERA and WHIP. Which kind of it's kind of a fun with numbers uh, situation and a reminder if you're just looking at the overall numbers. Like it doesn't take much to completely warp a stat line. Just, like one awful start is enough to do oh, it. It's this been time two awful year. starts though. For yeah, Carlos it's been two Carrasco. in his case, but one is all of Yeah, it, you're right. You're right. All right, guys. Uh, fringy starting pitchers, and then if we have time, some emails. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. Uh, just tell me who you like on this list. Zach Godley, Sonny Gray, Michael Waka. Don't know how he did it. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, Lucas Giolito, and Yanni Chirinos, who got a win yesterday, but he didn't start. Came in um, in the second inning. Uh, Godley, Gray, Waka, Miley, Odorizzi, Giolito, Chirinos. Gray's going to move up in my rankings quite a bit, but I had him outside of my top 75, so he needed to move up. He, he's been surprisingly good since you uh, mm-hmm. were so rude to him. <laughs> yep. Godley is someone that I, I think I was higher on than just about everyone else, and he'd been pretty bad to start the year. This wasn't necessarily a good enough start to make me feel great about him. 
but it is enough to where I'm not going to. I'm still holding on to him. And that's it. You don't want Waka. You don't want Odorizzi, Giolito, Chirinos, Miley. Yanni is probably my favorite pitcher out of that group. Not for fantasy would, purposes, though, right? Well, in a category, he's probably he's been the best so far. I know, but he doesn't. He's he's now. He's it, now not necessarily a starter because he made some starts earlier. It really depends on your league settings with Yanni, I think. Yeah. Um, Scott, how is Michael Walker doing this real quick? Is he good? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I mean, the walks have been really high, too, and, and I don't think his last start was very good. I, I think Fringy is appropriate. I think he's in that Julio Tehran class of pitcher. Where, he's not that um, bad. Always, you're always interested in him when he's making two starts, when he has good matchups. But he's the upside just isn't so high that you ever feel like you have to keep him on your roster. The only must-add from this group, in my mind, is Sonny Gray. Um, you know, Chirinos is interesting. Godley's interesting. Waka, fine. But they're they're not must-own in, like, a 12-teamer, shallower context uh, and then the other three, Odorizzi, Giolito, Wade Miley, got to see a lot more. I mean, Miley's done a good job with run prevention, but he had one strikeout in, in this, what was probably his best start of the season. And I think only four swinging strikes. So that's that doesn't seem like a path to success. He had, he had four strikeouts, right? Yesterday? Miley? Godly? No, Miley. Miley. I'm Miley. sorry. I'm sorry. I think he said Godly. Miley, Godly. Miley. Very yeah. similar. Okay, uh, those are your fringy starting pitchers, and uh, I'm gonna try to do a mailbag tomorrow. We got ten games, so um, I'll try to do a mail. I don't really feel like doing any work, so I'll just let the listener. <laughs> that was do. obvious. Yeah, no, um, but we'll we'll uh, we'll get some emails in tomorrow. Grade the trade to finish the show. Here we go, Ethan from Cincinnati, but go St. Louis Cardinals. Grade the trade. I got offered this in our twelve team head to head points keeper league. You can keep eight players for as long as you want. I give up Chris Sale and Domingo Santana. I get Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco. Who do you want? In a keeper league, you can keep as long as you want. I think it's Carrasco. Okay. So you give up Sale and Santana for Carrasco and Chris Bryant. Uh, Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great trade. Um, eh? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the pitchers are both kind of old, right? How old's Carrasco? He's on the wrong side of thirty, right? He's uh, in in I actual fact, in baseball years. He's about thirty years younger than Corey Kluber. Just look at that. Carrasco's Carrasco's thirty two. <laughs> um, Kluber's okay. so you know old what? looking. I, I would. Brian is is just. I I'm a little worried about Brian, but I think it's too good of a second player. So I agree. You have to you have to make this trade. Sorry, Kluber. You're not really old looking. He's just like. He just, he just, there's something about him. He just feels like kind of older. I don't know. Uh, from Stacy, grade the trade. Um, I, I was offered Christian Yelich, who I can't keep next year. I would give up Eloy Jimenez and Tyler Glass now, and I could keep them both for three more years. Yikes. Eloy and Glass now for Yelich, losing three years of keepers. You know, that's, that's a lot to give up. What do you think? Grade the trade. It would depend. It would depend to me how much roster turnovers in this, like how many players are you able to keep? If you're keeping like your whole roster um, and there's not really a chance to restructure your team in the off season, then I'd, I, I'd be, I'd be kind of interested in doing it. But otherwise, if it's, if it's mostly a, you know, everybody keeps a handful of players and uh, Ready the trade. I'll See. go, 
I'll go C minus. From Mike, grade the trade. I was just offered Eloy Jimenez for my Mike Mustakas. I've got Murphy on the IL and Wong is on waivers in a ten team head to head categories league, so he'd give up Mustakas and get Eloy Jimenez. Grade the trade. Uh that's about a C. That's pretty even, I think. I'm more yeah. upset Jimenez, but Mustakas is plenty startable. I, I think Eloy has more upside, even though Moustakis probably has 40 homer upside. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Eloy side. Last one from Fernando in New York City. Grade the trade. 12-team points league. I'm good at starting pitcher. I give up Herman Marquez. I get Adalberto Mondesi. It's a points league. He says I need speed. Hmm. I don't get that. But What? Yeah, he, he said points league. Are you sure it's a points league? I'm reading no. what he wrote. Points league, you're, I need speed. You need speed in a points league. Maybe I mean, they're like roto good. points, you know? <laughs> uh, well, okay, taking this at face value, I think in a points league, it's a bad trade. It would, I mean, you'd, you'd probably, Mondesi probably went later in drafts, and Marquez, I think, stock has risen since drafts. So uh, this is a points C-. league D. A D plus. Points league D plus. How about a roto league? If it is a categories league. B. Marquez for Mondesi. B. B. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. Thank you so much, Scott White and Heath Cummings. We're going to come back tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today and read your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I'm Adam Azer. Talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.